everyone. Welcome to Backstory Sessions. I'm your host, Matt. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome you to our episode of Backstory Sessions. I'm joined today by my co-host, Matt. Hey, everyone. How are you? And Matt, today we have um, our first actress um, that we have interviewed. Is this amazing or what? Indeed it is. Uh, you know, there's just been a lot of actors out there, and uh, it's great, great to have a actress this time. Yes, it is. And not only uh, an actress, I mean, she is like, she wears a lot of hats. She's multi-talented. So uh, let's just get right into this interview. We want to welcome today our guest, Mika Borum. Mika, welcome to Backstory Sessions. Thank you so much. Thanks. I'm excited to be here. So for our first time listeners, um, we always try to get the backstory. You know, what is the story behind the stories? So Mika, I know that your acting career uh, begins pretty early. So uh, what is your first memory of acting? Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I, I started, um, I started acting at a really young age. Um, I professionally went into it. Uh, around seven years old. So um, my first memory, I would say, would be um, I started uh, doing acting in Arizona in Tucson, which is where I'm originally from. I grew up on a ranch out there. And I became involved with the theater and just started doing all of this uh, theater work. And the way that that kind of initially came about was um, my mom was really into researching about what would be, you know, positive things for children and so she came across this idea that you know doing theater would be a great thing because of memorizing the lines and you know the the reading aspect of it the um you know being on a stage in front of people the public speaking um learning to articulate like all of these things she was like oh my goodness this is like this is it this is you know great a great skill builder for kids and so she got me involved in the theater and then from there, I went on to do some print work, um, which led into what was a great opportunity and sort of got the ball rolling and was a Kickstarter for my career as an actor. And um, that was uh, an audition. Um, and then I went on to do the film for this movie called Education of Little Tree that was produced by Robert Redford. And so I was about seven or eight in that. Wow. So uh, that had to be a big moment for you, um, especially at seven or eight. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, absolutely. That I remember um, specifically, like, just what a cool experience it was to go to Canada and Montreal and to, to film um, this this movie. And it was a period, it was a period piece movie. 
um, that took place like in the 1930s. And um, it was based off of a novel. And it's just just an interesting historical piece. And so becoming immersed in that at such a young age, it felt like, you know, playing dress up. It was just a blast. So what was the audition process like for that? I don't remember exactly, but I do remember I went to the audition and um, the part was to play a girl who is like a, a, a hillbilly girl. And so it was in a toe sack dress. And um, so I have some family um, that was from Arkansas and they're so excited to, to help me get my perfect, <laughs> to help me get my perfect um, uh, accent down. Uh, and do you remember like any line with that accent? Because you know we're Kentucky based, so um, <laughs> I think our listeners might enjoy that. Uh, I, oh my gosh, I don't remember. I don't remember. No, we're not gonna. Um, we're not gonna put you on the spot like that. <laughs> I no. have to think of it. That's a good one. <laughs> uh, like help y'all, you know. <laughs> um, so I guess one thing that comes to mind because you were so young to, to be in, um, you know, that's a big success for a seven or eight year old. Were you the child before like your mom chose this as, you know, really educational and good skill building? Were you a creative child? Uh, you know, did you have an imagination? Did you have this inclination to, that maybe you were going to be an actress? You know, we, so we, um, our ranch was out, um, outside of town in Tucson. And so I spent all of my time outside pretty much. I mean, in the summer, it gets really hot. You can get up to like 110 <laughs> out there. So wow. not during those time periods, but apart from that, I was always outside playing. So I think that that kind of, you know, lended to, you know, the imagination and seeing the different animals, um, that are out there. And we had our little tree house. And um, so, yeah, I think I was always kind of creative in that aspect, like in terms of like just being with nature and making up my own stories. Um, I was before the iPad. <laughs> <laughs> so after you get this role in the film, what happens next? Are you hooked and you just know this is what you want to do forever? I loved it so much. Um, and one of the things that was really cool um, about acting, too, is you learn so much about these niche subjects. So throughout my career, you know, I've learned, um, you know, uh, about, you know, um, what it's like to be on a hockey team. Because <laughs> I did that movie, Jack Frost, shortly after that. Um, and then, um, you know, just these like niche subjects and then later on, you know, went on to do um, a film that was like about, you know, the uh, mental health care system in the 1950s and like surfing and these different things. And so um, after doing that first project and, you know, learning specifically about like that time era and thinking that was cool. And then I went on to do these other projects. I just got really, really hooked and and I've always been fascinated by other people's stories and people's backgrounds. And um, I think that's a, a wonderful thing with acting, too, is that you are, you know, taking into consideration um, as to why people act the way that they do, you know, per their relationships, per their history, per 
um, you know, um, you know, their economic background like that, you know, so um, that's always been really, really fascinating to me, too. So did you go to public school? I actually grew up going to school on set, um, <laughs> which is interesting in itself. So when I wasn't working, which was very rare, because I pretty much grew up on set entirely uh, in terms of like the scholastic year. So um, I I had a, there was a school that I went to, uh, Say, which is a French school, and they do a correspondence program and they've had great actors come through there success with it with like Lily Sobieski went through there and Jodie Foster and um, so what they do is they put together these uh, school packages that correspond with what's happening actually in the school with the kids and they're sent over to uh, these private tutors that the you know the children actors have on set and you have an allotted amount of hours that you have to do per week and um, sometimes they do this banking hours, which is you'll do one day that's more hours. And then those can sort of be shuffled around to make up uh, for other days because um, you have to get a minimum of one hour of schooling a day. Um, but usually it's like three hours a day because you're working dependent on your age. It's interesting, like with the Screen Actors Guild, which is the actors union, um, they have different specifications of uh, hours that kids can work at certain ages. And so the production has to work around um, the school framing and how many hours the kids can work. So I think, I forget what the age is, but starting at like, it's like 10 or 12, you can work eight hour days. <laughs> and then it goes up to like 14 and like, <laughs> it starts getting up there. I mean, it's fun. I had a blast. Um, but yeah, they, they, sometimes, sometimes it's a little bit of long hours, but you always have the teacher who's there and the teachers are also social workers. So the studio teachers have this duality of getting the kids school done and then being a social worker and looking out for their welfare. Um, and then in addition to that, the kids have to have a guardian. Um, so I was fortunate that my mom uh, did a lot of traveling with me and, and was dedicated and, um, you know, available to um, be the guardian and chaperone for these different projects as well. So I imagine like um, in this type of educational setting for you, you're learning so much. And, and on the one hand, you know, by experiencing all of these different scripts and time periods and places. Um, but did you like, I don't know, get senior pictures may go to prom, you know, those kinds of things. Did you miss out on those or how did that work? I did some of those things. I think that, um, I, yeah, I did some of them, but not, not to like the full extent. Um, but I think in like the same regard, like I had my own sort of unique experiences as well that were sort of, um, you know, not traditional, but just as valuable in their own light. But I, I did that with something that like my family went out of their way to try to, you know, have, have these like, you know, these interactions and these like, like the school dances. Um, but some of it was funny and comical because I wasn't exactly, you know, in school full time. So I didn't have like the same kind of like 
clicky friends groups and um, not even necessarily say clicky, but I didn't have the same kind of like little pod of friends groups and stuff that people are there full time. And so like, I remember I went to the school dance and I was, oh gosh, I don't know, maybe like 14 or like 11. And I was working on this TV show and on the TV show, they had hair and makeup. And so the hair and makeup artists were like, oh my gosh, it's wonderful. You're going to a school dance. And so they had these, you know, cause it's on set, they had these big fake hair pieces and they were like, you should wear this for the night. Like, let us do your hair. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so, they put, <laughs> so they put in this big wig hair piece. <laughs> so I'm like 14, I'm feeling really cool. And I show up to the school dance and I've got this big hair piece, but, um, I get out there on the dance floor and it flies off. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like looking at it in horror. And people are like, what is that? And I'm like, oh no. (laughs) Oh no. And so I was like trying to figure out, I was like, okay, but it's not mine. Like I don't own this hair piece. I need to take it back. So I had to like try to figure out how to retrieve it, like on the fly and get it in my purse. (laughs) So, you know, and this was like, I think now, um, you know, now you see like with, um, you know, like the YouTube videos and stuff, I think that maybe people are a little bit more, you know, like the girls at a younger age with like the hair extensions and the wigs and stuff. But at that time, like young girls didn't have fake hair pieces. (laughs) (laughs) Much less lose them at the dance. (laughs) Yeah. So they were like, you know, I think doing the, the acting lended to some like, you know, fish out of water experiences like that when coming back into like the regular, you know, child school zone. Hmm. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So, I mean, how did you react to that? Did you just like (laughs) pick it up, put it in your purse and go on with the night or was it devastating? <laughs> no, I put it in the purse and continued to dance. <laughs> Once, <laughs> a great backstory. <laughs> Once I retrieved it, the retrieving it, like the initial shock, and then the retrieving it were the were the uh, you know the sketchy, scary parts because I had to figure out how to do that on the sly. But once I got into the purse, I was like, okay, back on. <laughs> We have someone's hair. <laughs> Someone lost their hair. <laughs> well, so I, I mean, imagine acting, you know, was um, had prepared you well to like, uh, you know, deal with that because you could just like think, okay, what if my character <laughs> this happened, and then you can like start writing your, you know, some kind of scenario. But that's that's really interesting. Um, you know, and, and definitely memorable, I'm sure. <laughs> so what what happens next? Um, you know, what's your next big break? Um, I, from so yeah, so I went on to do some interesting, um, some interesting fun projects. Um, like I was involved in um, Along Came a Spider, which was really a cool, phenomenal break. That was. Um, with Morgan Freeman and it was a very large role. Um, it was uh, a role that was centered around um, the kidnapping of my character and or a film that was centered around that really. And then um, it was based off of James Patterson novel, Monica Potter's in it, Michael Wincott. So that was a, a really big, interesting experience. We filmed that in Canada and um, 
And it was uh, it was cool. The director on it, Leah Tamahori, is a very interesting man. He's gone on to do like James Bond films, and he did the Triple X films with um, Vin Diesel. And so that was that was a cool experience. They had um, some different action scenes, which I'm not really sure if I had done much action stuff before. And so they put me into training. And one of the things I had to do for that film. Uh, spoiler alert, <laughs> but I had to, for the escape, um, after I had been kidnapped, I had to swim in a waterway in Canada. I jump off the side of a boat. And so they put me through these swimming classes and training classes. And we filmed in Canada either in the fall or the winter. Oh, and man. so the water was just really cold. <laughs> So they um, built this like they built this interesting contraption. It was a wetsuit with hoses going into it, and the hoses pumped warm water into the suit. And then they um, took me to the special effects house, and at the special effects house, um, they made me these silicone gloves that they then painted to look like hands with like the little fingernails and all the little veins and pink marks and stuff. And so I was to wear those and then the wetsuit with the hoses and then the clothes over top. <laughs> so they had me training in a pool like <laughs> in Canada, but also in California before we left to uh, be able to swim in this like contraption. Cause it was kind of, kind of awkward. And then, um, and then they put a, a big jacuzzi on a barge for, you know, after we do a few takes or some of that, that they could throw me in. So anyway, wow. uh, that was, that was quite the experience. That was my first, my first, uh, my first jump in, um, pun intended, first jump into stunts. <laughs> uh, so were you, were you scared or um, you felt confident after all of the training? It was a combination of both. I think uh, it was like a really, really great workout because you had all these tubes and stuff. And they were pumping water in, so it was like a little bit of resistance, but yet it was the wet tube, so it was like buoyancy. So <laughs> after a while, I was like, oh, I can't work out anymore. <laughs> I was fairly young, too. So, you know, like little kids, and they get tired, they're like, what is this? <laughs> Help. <laughs> but I enjoyed it, you know. I still have the little, um, I have a, um, um, I have like a, uh, oh gosh, like an armoire of um, memorabilia that's fun from films. And so one of the pieces that I have in there are those gloves. So yeah. it's a, it's a sweet memory. I enjoyed that. And then um, from there I went on to, there's um, a, a young boy actor who is in that, who's a fabulous actor. Um, he's got on to do a lot, Anton Yelchin. And um he was also in Hearts and Atlantis. I went to do this movie with Anthony Hopkins, um, Hearts and Atlantis. And that movie is like, it's just, I, I love the, the premise on it. It's just an interesting film. It's a, based off of a Stephen King novel. And um, it's, you know, nostalgic about childhood. But then they add in this sort of slightly supernatural eerie, but it never goes too far in that direction where it takes you out of, the nostalgia realism of someone reflecting on their childhood. And um, we filmed that one uh, in Virginia. And so that was a cool experience getting to work with Anthony Hopkins at such a young age. Sure. Anthony Hopkins. I've heard of him. <laughs> <laughs> Tony Hopkins. Yeah. 
Morgan Freeman, you know, those names seem familiar. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, you, you have quite the resume. I mean, I was reading your IMDb uh, biography, and there's a whole host of people that you've been involved with uh not involved with personally but you know acted with and uh that's pretty interesting yeah i've been super fortunate to work under some some cool people absolutely any um Uh, oh go ahead kat well i was just gonna say so you know do you feel starstruck working like with anyone is there anyone in particular especially since you were younger at times, was there anyone that you were just like such a big fan of already and you couldn't believe you were like working with them? You know, it's funny because I think um, I probably have more of that as I get older than I did when I was younger. Cause when I was younger, I was like, Oh yeah. Who, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, cool. <laughs> Do they have candy in their pocket? But as I get older, I'm like, uh, you know, cause I think over the years too, I've, um, just cause I love film so much, you know, I, you know, always study it and consume more and more film. Um, cause even films that, you know, um, I don't think are the greatest. I can still find things in them that are very interesting for me to like critique and watch and study and like, um, you know, um, just, I like film. So yeah, over the years I kind of have become like more and more, in awe and, and impressed um, with people because I have like a more vast understanding of like their body of work. But um, when I worked with John Carpenter, I got like super excited because I'm just like, oh, like Starman is mm. one of my all time favorite films. I feel like it just kind of traverses um, sort of like what I was talking about with uh, Hearts and Atlantis. It, it traverses it's like very like emotional, relatable relationships, but yet has this kind of odd supernatural intriguing um you know uh oddities to it that make it very unique and special and so like starman like jeff bridges performance and that is just like out of this world like i love that movie so yeah when i worked with john carpenter i was like oh he's so cool um yeah starman was starman was pretty awesome for sure yeah yeah i hope that they i hope that they never redo it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> i can't imagine who they would get to replace him in uh in that i don't know i don't know i know those you know that's such a big thing because the um uh the um the names have value to them you know it's like a recognizable name when you have those movies so i think you know like the intellectual property of like the name so they try to you know, elicit like, you know, audience and viewers just based off of like that it has value. But right. Sometimes I'm like, no, it is what it is. Leave it. <laughs> yeah. Don't screw it up. <laughs> um, so you, uh, you've done some pretty, you have some pretty interesting side things going on. Uh, I know you did a documentary with, about what, what is it? Uh, something with gems. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so my dad is a gemologist. He works with gemstones. Mm-hmm. And so he's spent a lot of his life traveling doing that. And so um, as I got older progressing from acting, I always was really fascinated with people on set and um, always asking 101 questions about what everyone did, how their job worked, um, 
<laughs> probably like, hey, kid, get out of here. I'm trying to get my job done. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, sort of a, a natural progression to, um, you know, look to the role of directing and more on the filmmaking side of things because, uh, generally speaking, they bear a lot more responsibility mm-hmm. than the actors do in terms of making sure that the project's going right and making sure that everything that's needed to um, be filmed or gotten in order to complete the project, that it's all there. Um, so um, I started looking at, you know, that from an early age. And then when I wanted to start to get into film filmmaking, one of the first subjects that I saw that was available for me to film was my dad. <laughs> oh, that's I was convenient. like, oh, this is cool. <laughs> yeah. I was like, he's available. I have access. <laughs> All right. <laughs> hey, dad, uh, I got a question for you. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I filmed him. Uh, I decided to make this like documentary piece on him. And so I filmed him with his gemology work. There's a um, gem show gem and mineral show that's in Tucson, Arizona every year. And it's the either the largest in the world or the second largest in the world. And uh, it goes on for about two weeks. And these vendors show up from everywhere with really interesting artifacts. And, and um, it's just a, it's a, it's a great, uh, it's a great place to be. And so I went with him. I filmed him talking to his different colleagues and people he had worked with. And while we were there, one of the things that had come up was that uh, at this particular time, um, people were having a really hard problem accessing Guatemalan jade. Mm-hmm. And um, Guatemalan jade uh, comes in a lot of like various colors. It comes in orange and purple and black, and um, it's a really cool specimen. And so he was like, all right, the show is two weeks. Let's go to Guatemala. And I was like, what? He's like, yeah, I'm going to Guatemala. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> So I, I uh, went with him. We went to Guatemala. And um, when we got there, the reason that people were having uh, problems purchasing uh, the jade is because basically um, it was a controlled market by one group. And so there was just a set price. And so people were looking, you know, for uh, different different, different prices, different options. Mm-hmm. And so we drove all over Guatemala. We drove to the coast. We drove like just everywhere and um a lot of it which i have fun footage of i was thinking about putting it up online we just we just refound some of it the other day and it's hilarious a lot of it is two lane um highways up in the mountains and they have these gigantic semi trucks on it and these gigantic buses and we're like trying to pass them and like (laughs) it's it's terrifying it's terrifying yeah um but so through the driving all over the country, we found, um, and after talking to people, my, my dad speaks fluent Spanish. Um, and so we were able to find this village that had, um, this large collection of Jade and they had been selling it to, uh, this one French man and he had just stopped showing up like five years ago. So they had sat on this large amount of Jade and wanted to, um, wanted to sell it, but didn't specifically want to sell it to the group that was there in town that was selling all the jade. And so um, they were like so happy to have somebody, um, you know, arrive and want to purchase it. And so we sat with them and um, that was cool because it was this little village. And so you can actually see some of this footage too. Um, I cut it into 
a shorter um, a shorter piece as well that's up online. It's just under uh, Gem, like G-E-M, Hunter, and then the last name, Borum, B-O-O-R-E-M. And so it starts out, it's like 10 people, and then it's like 20 people, and then it's like 50 people. More people keep arriving hmm. um, to see, you know, what's going on about us buying this jade. And so we bought 300 pounds, or he bought, <laughs> I, was, I was just a filmer. Um, he bought, uh, 300 pounds of jade and then we brought it back to the Tucson gem and mineral show and sold it before the, before the show was done. And so, um, that was really like the first, the first piece that I filmed and, and put together. And I had my shot list of what I wanted to get each day to make, you know, to make my day and, um, to make the narrative on it and stuff. And so, yeah, that was, that was the first, that was the first introductory piece. So was this just you with a camera following your dad around or did you have like other people with you doing sound and all that too? No, it was just, it was just me with the camera. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, I had, uh, so I was specific about what I wanted to do with it though. So I, um, made shot lists mm -hmm. and then i was corresponding with um some friends that were filmmakers back in la about you know just having these talks about like what kind of shots should i be getting and like making sure that i'm getting all of my insert shots and um you know one of the strong things that you want to do um if you're doing any of this documentary stuff is you need to film cutaways so like if someone's talking and you want it to be shorter you have to, you know, maybe you cut away to their hands or like to a different angle or, or something else because otherwise you're stuck with just them talking, right, especially yeah. if they don't take a breath. <laughs> <laughs> well, that sounds really cool. I'll have to check out that uh, short you have up on that. Too. Yeah. Um, maybe we can put as well um, when we promote the episode. And, and I think this is like a really good lead into – um, your latest movie, Hollywood.com, and how you uh, worked with your father in co-writing it. Is that correct? Yeah. So yeah. what's that like to co-write, first of all, and then to co-write with your dad? It was a blast. We had a great time. Um, it was super cool, you know, collaborating with him. And I think... Um, I think any time that you can do stuff with family, um, you know, it's that much more special. Um, so that was that was really meaningful to me. Um, but um, as we started, like, it was fun because I had done these short films and um, some experimental films, and then I knew I wanted to move into directing a full feature. Um, and so I started exploring different options. And I found that, like, for female filmmakers, a lot of the directing opportunities, and this is just my experience, I don't know about across the board, but a lot of it was more like, you know, do you want to do a love story? Do you want to do a drama or, like, something, you know, um, about kids? And I was like, well, I kind of, like, would like to do something really broad. And so that's why I was like, okay, well, let me see what happens if I start putting my own piece together instead of going to work for someone else and so I started kind of brainstorming through that and I realized like one of the things that I had access to were um, really great actors because um, I have friends you know that I've worked with on movies in the past that would want to jump in and be supportive and so um, so I started brainstorming that and then as I was doing that I think my dad 
um, he's very supportive and cool. He was like, oh, like, that seems kind of fun. And I was like, all right. And so then he and I started brainstorming. And we came up with this concept, which was to incorporate my life with this sort of like growing up on set kind of, um, you know, uh, like the sort of more Hollywood type background and then his background as a gemologist and the jade. And um, also when we had been on that jade buying trip, they um, had offered to sell us uh, uh, jade from a tomb, like a, like, like oh, wow. <laughs> it came out of a skeleton's mouth. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. They have uh, this uh, historic thing where um, one of the things that the, that the Mayans were known for doing was they would place a, piece of jade into a person's mouth in the tomb so that that jade would somehow you know help them to the afterlife or pass through or anyway but like with the idea with the idea that like a um soul goes through this and then they were trying to sell it we were like no yeah <laughs> we don't need cursed jade thank you <laughs> that's okay but um so we incorporated that into the movie too we were like oh cursed jade and so he and i started brainstorming going back and forth okay because also they tell you too that you know anyone you talk to that's that's really into writing uh what i found is they're like you know, write what you know. If you write what you know, you'll add character and authenticity and these different flavors um, right, because yeah. you, you know, have that history and that, that you know, that relationship with the subject matter. And so, um, so I just thought it was fun. I was like, that's cool. Like, so we started collaborating together. And so we did the Hollywood stuff and then the gemologist and the Guatemala stuff. And so we conceptualized this idea that it's um which is what hollywood.com is and it's dot com because it's about con artists in hollywood mm-hmm. um but yeah <laughs> but it's a production company um and the employees there they're in a race to make the next big mayan film and um they're willing to sell out everyone at their company ladder climb step on heads do whatever it takes to get ahead and so um, when you're writing with your dad, um, did you have any creative conflicts? No, not specifically. Um, we, didn't, we didn't really have any conflicts on the, on the writing side of things at all. I mean, one of the things that um, with independent film, I think is, is really important is to, um, you know, if you have access to interesting things, to include them in the story. And so that was something that he and I were both, um, he and I are on the same page about a lot of things. So that was one thing, you know, we were like, okay, like, um, you know, for the film, we've got a lot of airplane stuff. Well, he's a pilot and, um, you know, we've got access to planes. So like, let's get the plane in there. And so that those type of conversations, you know, would come up um, that sometimes were a little hard for us to figure out how to fit things into the narrative. But if they were bonuses, we're both on the on the same page as to like, yeah, let's let's add that in. I think people will have fun and it's quirky and we'll connect with that. Um, we also love like it's a mad, mad world. And so the movie's got a little bit of that flavor, too. Ah. It's like wacky and quirky. <laughs> I love it's, that like, movie. Oddball <laughs> that's yeah, it's a good movie, right? Yeah, it's fun. one of my favorites, yeah. Um, and so what's it like directing yourself because you're acting in this and you're also directing? Yeah, <laughs> that was <laughs> that was an experience. That was an experience. I uh, it was funny because I uh, 
you know, so um, part of the reason why I'm believing this is because I'm available. I was available. <laughs> so it was like, <laughs> I was already there on set, so it made sense. Um, and if, you know, one of the other, you know, actors had something going on or was busy, we could always keep the, keep the project moving forward. Cause I was like, all right, let's just shoot my scene. But, um, it was an interesting thing. Cause I think that, um, you know, what I've heard from other actor friends of mine, when they direct themselves, they, uh, pad in all this extra time because they will rewatch the scenes on the monitor after they do them and then correct and, um, critique right there on the spot and then you know do their other takes uh for me i i i figured that if i did that um you know it'd start to open up a conversation of you know my other actors which you know being a director i could tell them no but like they'd be like well wait i want to watch mine too (laughs) (laughs) and i was like well i don't know if i want to open pandora's box on this so um (laughs) What I did is I, I'm really big on working with people that you respect and um, admire what it is that they do. And so for one directing myself, um, because I was involved with the writing too, I was really clear on why each scene existed in the film and what it was that we're trying to accomplish in each scene to move the narrative of the story forward. And so... I would just kind of make sure that I had done my pre-production work and, and map out what I was trying to accomplish in the scene. So, um, you know, as the character and then just ask, you know, my, you know, whoever was the the person in the scene with me or the cinematographer, like, Hey, did it feel like I hit these beats that, that I'm trying to hit and, um, and just go from there. That way we could, you know, keep moving forward at a, at a fast pace. And I figured if I messed up, I could always cut to the other actors because they're good. <laughs> <laughs> so it seems like, um, you know, that you have these skills, like all of them, really. Um, so you, you you did casting as well. Um, so you got to really, you were in charge of like every aspect of this. So what uh, I guess how special does that make this work versus uh, you know a piece that you're just acting in yeah I'm, I'm really I'm really proud of this um, I'm really proud of Hollywood.com I was all involved all the way through and through um, and you know I, I had a wonderful experience collaborating with each one of the artists involved in the project you know so like with the casting and then working, you know, to develop out the character arcs and the, the quirky elements of, you know, with each actor that they were going to do. Um, and, um, you know, and then, you know, for music, we have um, Lendl Black, who has won Emmys for his musical work. And then, you know, we had a couple of songs um, that were given to us that are in the film, uh, by the box masters, which is Billy Bob Thornton's band. And so that was really fun. Um, you know, incorporating all of that in, we have, um, really special Foley work, which Foley is all of the practical sounds. So like when people are walking and opening and closing doors or like sipping coffee, um, all of those sounds are emphasized and recreated. And so, uh, we have this really amazing artist, Pascal Mazier, who's done like 200 films, he even did um, Natalie Portman's first movie, The, the Professional. Mm. Um, and um, so, 
you know, just working with him too, he did 10, st- 10 days um, on a sound stage and that was a wonderful experience. And he, a lot of people use computers now for that, but this guy still does it by hand. And so he has all of these like, you know, like <laughs> he has all these very, um, you know, intricate, like weird oddities, um, like bird wings and, and, and these just like strange pieces that he travels with. He's from France. So when he came to do it, he um, went ahead and brought all his stuff out from France and he arrived with all these suitcases when he opened them up they just look like trash but, <laughs> but it's like <laughs> it's his special skills that he's been working with for the past you know my gosh like over 20 years and so um you know so I got to work with him and, and watch you know that that special aspect of it and kind of design the the fully like for this being comedy and slapstick comedy we went through and, and overemphasized a lot of the Foley sounds so like the camels emphasized and like mm. um the people like 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 the hotshot producer um you know with his chains he's emphasized and so um yeah it was fun it was fun being involved with all the and then involved with the distribution we have it up on um amazon it's on amazon on video on demand now so um that whole process too is interesting what was your least favorite part Ooh, uh, least favorite part, um, probably wearing so many hats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a catch 22. Yeah. <laughs> it's like super bonus because it's really fun being involved and collaborating with everybody, but a lot of work, yeah. a lot, a lot of work. And, um, <laughs> you know, just staying organized with it all to, to make sure that things are staying on track. Um, Yeah um did you have like i mean did you have like a personal assistant to help you with things like that keeping everything going or just pre-production just like a lot of notebooks a lot of a lot of notes um right. you know staying on top of watching the footage um some of our some of our shooting was broken up into smaller pieces because we have you know working actors in this and so um some of them were on tv shows and things and like you know, um, so like, for instance, Tom Arnold section in this where he plays L. Jade, um, the crazy drug lord down in Mexico. So like Tom Arnold section that we shot completely separate because his schedule is so crazy. Um, so, you know, just organizing for his one section, it was almost like doing a, a short film shoot because it was completely separate. Mm-hmm. Um, Devin McTray, who's in this, who's so funny. He um, plays the hotshot producer Devin's been in everything. Devin, like, <laughs> Devin was Buzz in Home Alone, the older brother with the tarantula. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But he's in everything. My goodness, he was, like, he was in um, uh, such a good show, the Steven Soderbergh show on HBO uh, Mosaic with Sharon Stone. He's, like, the second lead in that. He mm-hmm. was in um, um, the Amazon Prime um, TV show, The Tick. Um, the Russian Dolls Netflix TV show, right. Blue Ruin, which is a great film. Uh, it won a ton of awards at Cannes. Nebraska, which won all the Oscars. Um, so anyway, so like, uh, yeah. So I forgot what the question was. <laughs> <laughs> I got really into like thinking about Devin's awesome career. <laughs> no, I just... get pumped on it. <laughs> I'm like, he's in the movie and he's cool. <laughs> That's funny. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Cat, where were we? Do you remember? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was the least favorite. Oh, okay, <laughs> least sorry. Favorite part, but... <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. But, you know, right, yeah. He was saying where 
so many different hats and um you know I, I can see like that must be you know that's a lot to take on but it sounds like that you did it well and I actually have uh, watched the film and, and I so I can say that I think you did an amazing job uh, and you would never know that one person like you know was responsible for all of it so um and with your dad too of course um yeah yeah my dad did a lot too we had some funny moments too um he did great with he so he's also a producer on it so he acted and he's a producer and um yeah he had some like really like stellar producing moments one of his big ones was um we were filming with tom arnold and right as we're about to start filming um they start doing jackhammers like across the street (laughs) and i'm like what (laughs) i was like frozen in place i was like what are we gonna do like we only have time for an allotted amount of time i don't know you know like when we get him again but what and so um yeah i totally like froze up i was like oh um it was funny my dad had this great producer moment he was like i'll go talk to them so he like went and he talked to them and uh, i guess he really connected with the guy and uh, you know said we were filming and uh the gentleman who was running the the construction crew was like hey like (laughs) we've got other sites we can go to we'll go to another site for the whole week it's no problem for us um yeah super nice super super nice um but yeah so my dad but like i froze up my dad was like no it's no problem hey they might want to you know do something else maybe they don't want to jackhammer right now i was like (laughs) what are you talking about (laughs) so basically he paid them and they went somewhere else (laughs) no he really didn't pay them he really just talked to them (laughs) he really just talked to them and said we were moving and the people were cool i think um i think that uh because my brother's a project manager for uh, yeah, for a company, and I think that they might have somehow, like, so he was talking to them, and he was like, oh, that's cool about the company. And I don't know. He just connects with people, you know? Yeah, and yeah. so the, the people, I think, were, were happy to do it, uh, which is so funny because uh, had they not been, it would have been a <laughs> catastrophe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mr. Well, Arnold can't act this way. That you got – some wedding guests in a strange way, um, like a Dairy Queen or uh, yes. Okay, so I mean, you must have some skills too. Yes, that was funny. So we were in we were in Texas. We were in Kerrville, Texas, and um, we were all set up to film um, this wedding scene, and then things fell through on it. And so we were looking for a new location and trying to brainstorm about it. And so we were sitting, uh, a couple crew members, and uh, my dad and the cinematographer were sitting having dinner. And my dad looks out in his back, the back area of this restaurant, and he's like, this is great for a wedding. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and so he spoke to the owner of the restaurant. The restaurant was like, he was like, well, you know, I don't know when I could do it, but actually, you know what? You could do tomorrow, like in 12 hours. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me? well like what and i was like oh my gosh like i was like i'm gonna have a meltdown how are we gonna get you know um and so anyway so that the the guy who owned the restaurant he was like look my workers they're like zombies anyway like <laughs> they'll be perfect you can go ahead and have them because <laughs> it was a zombie wedding nonetheless <laughs> um, and so he volunteered to give us his workers so we had them so we had 
you know, a base, but we still needed more, um, more guests for, for this wedding to make it look like a real wedding. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, okay, I have limited amount of time. Um, I will find out about, you know, what theater companies are in this area or maybe, you know, high school theater companies. And, um, you know, cause I feel like that would be, you know, the people who'd be really interested and maybe it'd be beneficial for them. Maybe it'd be fun for them being on set and stuff. And so, I started calling around and I got in the phone book and I got the best ones. So I got to this phone number and I called up and I started asking this woman uh, who was so nice, but I started asking her like, Oh, like, you know, so, you know, do you guys, do you guys do a lot? Like, like, you know, um, how big's your group? And like her answers were very like slow paced and odd. And I was like, what's going on? And so, you know, I finally get down. She's like, well, give me the details. And so I get down to, you know, we're doing this wedding. It's a zombie wedding. Uh, you know, if you have any costume stuff, that'd be great. We also can provide costumes. We have hair and makeup. And, um, and the lady's just like, okay, okay. And so I'm like, this is really weird. And so I asked her, I was like, this is the theater company, right? And she's like, no, ma'am, this is the local Dairy Queen. <laughs> <laughs> but we would love to, we would love to be guests at your zombie wedding. Now, can I bring my husband too? <laughs> That's hilarious. So I was like, sure, all right. All right, sounds good. So we got them. They showed up from the Dairy Queen. And then also, um, we had some of the, we got some zombie guests from uh, the local T Mobile, too. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it worked out. That's funny. Well, we know where all the zombies are now. Everybody yeah, yeah. out um, so, um, <laughs> yeah, I know our time is um, like we're running out of time with you, um, but this this just seems like it was such a great project, and uh, I, I just love the backstories that you shared with us today. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Uh, so, anything that we forgot that you'd like to mention? I mean, I know you're involved in some charities and some. You know some other things outside the movie but uh you know I'll give you a couple minutes to talk about whatever you like oh cool okay um so one thing that's really fun that everyone should check out is there was a music video i was able to direct during the pandemic the artist is awesome his name is travis tidwell and the music video is called catch me if you can and you can just plug that in on youtube and it, and it pops up we got it up on uh, country music television and um, it's nominated for a Josie Award for Music Video of the Year. Um, and it's, I guess the Josie Awards are the largest independent music awards. So that'll, that's really fun. That's exciting. Everyone should awesome. check that out. Um, the Gem Hunter, um, like if you plug in Gem Hunter Born, that's really fun. Everyone should check that out. To see more stuff about Hollywood.com, um, we've got a website, HollywoodCon.net. And you can see some behind-the-scenes photos and all of that. And the movie's up on Amazon. Um, also, yeah, for charities, there's a charity, which is really fun, that my dad and I had put together. It's called Mata Kalunga. Um, it's for children in Madagascar. So Mata is short for Madagascar. And then Kalunga is sort of a, a, language, a, a slang way to say friend in Madagash. And so... Um, it's a sort of a way he'd been working a lot in Madagascar and it's a way to give back to the community over there 
Um, and so it's school supplies for children. And so we, before we had had some different bracelets and stuff that people um, could purchase, and then that would give these kids all the school supplies and to pay the teachers. Um, but we've kind of got focused on working on the movie stuff. And so we, right now there aren't any bracelets or purchases, but, um, but later on and stuff, we're, we're going to have more, more out with that. Cause it's, it's really uh, a wonderful, a wonderful charity given to these kids and, and paying the teachers. It's, it's pretty cool. So um, that's a fun one to check out. And the website for that one's Mada, M-A-D-A, Kalunga, K-I-L-O-N-G-A.org. Um, yeah. Awesome. Uh, so what's next for you? I mean, I know you got a lot going on and it seems like you're, you know, you, you stay pretty busy. So uh, what's your next big project? I love staying busy. <laughs> <laughs> I love staying busy. So I just, um, I just shot a uh, short piece, which is fun. Um, I haven't figured out how we want to release it yet, but it's a um, detective story that uses the old um, kind of like noir language and um, the uh, and so it uses the old noir language, but it's with like 13 year old kids. <laughs> and um, so that's kind of a fun piece. I'm excited for people to see. And then I um, have a series of children's films that are educational children's films that um, will be fun. And we're just figuring out exact time with all of the pandemic stuff and, you know, cause it's still sort of, shooting in pods and whatnot about when we want to shoot that because it kind of you know right now with everything it's sort of you're adding more to the budget but you're not necessarily getting more up on screen so it's you know figuring out the perfect time for that yeah. and then there's a country music documentary that i'm putting together that'll be inspirational and about you know pushing through and when you hit that wall about how you overcome it and how these people you know, have gone through hardships in their careers and like what it was the catalyst to move, move forward. Awesome. I'm looking forward to that because a lot of the stories that we've done lately, you know, there's always an element of that in them. Uh, some of the other people that we've talked to and even in our own lives, I mean, there's been things that, uh, we've had to get through and get past and, uh, in order to move forward. So, um, That'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I love hearing about that stuff with people. Talk with us about that project when it comes out. Okay, cool. Absolutely. I would love to. Yeah, yeah. We'd love to have you back. <clears throat> uh, we want to thank you for being here. Um, always awesome to talk to people about their careers. And uh, you certainly had a pretty amazing one, I'd say. Um I know you've been in a lot of great movies and done a lot of great things and look forward to to uh, seeing more from you. That's so nice. Thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, Kat, anything else before we go? I just want to thank you for being our guest today and want to tell you that I did see you in the David Cook music video. I was a big fan of his on American Idol. <laughs> uh, oh, and, cool. uh, you know, I, uh, I enjoyed that song and the video so i just wanted to say you know great job there too so <laughs> thank you are you leaving the light on yes yes <laughs> <laughs> all right wow. mika we thank you again um it's been great talking to you and uh, we will be airing this episode oh, in a few weeks and we'll let you know when that's going to be for sure um we were on a break but um you know we're getting back into it next week 
and there's a couple episodes ahead of you, but uh, um, we'll let you know for sure when it's going to be. Cool. Fantastic. I look forward to it. All right. And thank you so much again for taking time to be our guest today. Thank you. Thanks. This is fun. Thank you. All right. As always, if you have any questions, concerns, or comments, you can send those to cat at iwriteplays at outlook.com or you can write to me at backstorysessions at gmail.com or matt at level11ventures.com. Thanks for listening and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.